fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another Fireside episode of Fantasy and Some Flights. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And we've got some games to talk about. I, I don't really have any book topics, but I probably That's assume so you sad. do. I um okay well okay so I can talk about book stuff but I have so many game things that I need to <laughs> make sure that this is under a three hour long episode therefore I have reserved those for later so wow special yeah basically it's a good problem to have, to have it is many, a good problem uh, to have and and really it's it's been amplified by my attendance at Origins Game Fair and so we're we're gonna be talking a little bit about Origins and then some of the cool games that I saw there yeah. But, I'm excited. You somehow like you somehow like held off on Origins content um, while I was hanging out with you this last weekend. So I've actually not heard like most of this that uh, <laughs> Nelson's going to be sharing tonight. There, there was a couple of things that I slipped in there that I just could not wait for. But yeah, yeah we yeah. did see each other. That was exciting. You came and visited, and we uh, we played a lot of games. We yeah. played a lot of games together, which was fun. We haven't a played new ones for me. What's up? Couple new ones for oh, me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple new ones for you. A couple new ones for me. And so it was good. We had a couple people over, and so that that was a ton of fun. So mm-hmm. I feel, I was about to say it's been a long time since we have played games together, but then I realized that you know I was just at your place and we played games together like just about a month ago. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it did, it did like create a need where we were like we kind of need almost like an emergency fireside. Like we had actually not planned really to record this episode right um, at this time, but it was like oh crap like. With origins, the combination of origins, and then in the following weekend, us hanging out and playing games, like we we got some some ground to cover, so we're gonna throw an episode together. Yeah, but let's not let's not dally any longer. Let's hit our flights, and then we'll dive right into it. So, Dalton, cool. what is on your flight tonight? Um, so I'm having I'm having a cocktail tonight, something a little different. Oh, fancy, yeah, right? fancy cocktail. So this, I'm having a Sazerac. That's a company. It is a company. Yeah, they make Sazerac whiskey, <laughs> um, and then they make like a ton of stuff. They're they're one of these like almost shadow companies, you know, like I think they are the ones that make fireball. If I remember right, they are, um, yeah. you know, and they, they make kind of, to be honest, a, a slew of low end stuff. Um, but they do make some nicer high end stuff first. Well, first of all, they just have Sazerac ride. That's kind of like one of their flagships, maybe not like a high end brand, but it is like a fairly common brand of one you see a lot. Um, and then they also have Buffalo trace. So everything that falls under the Buffalo trace umbrella, um, they have Colonel EH Taylor. They have Weller. Um, they are the ones that have the rights to Blanton's, um, so that's the one with the little horses, horses on the top. Um, they have 1792. So it's really just an enormous like uh, company. They have Eagle Rare, um, just like a really, really big company that, um, again, owns like all of these distilleries. I think that's maybe kind of their market like model. You know, their business <laughs> yeah. model is to just go around and buy um, existing successful distilleries and call it under their like name. <laughs> yeah. Um, AKA they had money. That's right. Um, so anyways, there's also a signature cocktail called a Sazerac, which uses Sazerac to rye. Um, it's kind of a New Orleans cocktail. Um, it uses a, um, a liqueur, I guess you would call it, um, called Herb Saint, um, which I've never had. I've never heard of it before. That. Yeah. Like I, when I saw the bottle, I was like, I've, I've maybe seen this one before, but, um, it actually looks like bitters, like the coloring of like Angostura okay. bitters like that. Okay. Yeah. It, it looks very similar to me on the label, but it's not, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, full like 750 milliliter or whatever bottle. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I actually tried it straight. The stuff is like, <laughs> it's like 50% or something or 46%. Ooh. or like It's like really high and it's like very, very um, like herby and like estery almost. Like it, it like ting- it made my mouth like tingle in like a weird way. It was, it was very hmm. strange. Like you wouldn't, 
drink this stuff straight. I think in the mixed <laughs> drink, it's like a quarter of an ounce. Like it's just like a little bit. Um, so it's like the Sazerac rye, this um, herb saint, just like I said, a little bit. Um, lemon peel, simple simple sugar, um, and, a, and a bitters. There's like a specific type of bitters that you're like supposed to use for the official version or whatever, but, you know, bitters of whatever you want to make it out of. Um, so the result is you get this like semi-sweet. Um, the herb saint stuff is very citrusy, so very orange and like um, lemon, obviously, from the lemon peel. Um, and then kind of these like... I don't know, weird, like floating, like floral herby flavors that are coming from this like really crazy liqueur. Um, so it's really, it's really nice. It's like very refreshing, very, um, very sweet. It's great for a hot, you know, summer day. I assume that's why they drink it in new Orleans. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. It's very crisp. And I, I've been really enjoying it just as we've kind of gotten through the spring and into the summer. Um, I had gotten, um, this kind of sent to me as a birthday present, like, uh, like the things that you needed, like everything oh. except for the lemon, I guess. Yeah. That's, sugar, that's, you know, a but cool, like, that's a cool yeah, gift. Yeah. I thought so too. Yeah. And like kind of sent the recipe. So it, it's been kind of like a fun thing to just, now that I have all the official components or whatever, and I have no other way to use this herb saint stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or the Sazerac rye. Exactly. I need to actually like taste it, like do an actual tasting of just the rye. I've like not done that yet. I've just had it in the mixed drink. So, but cool. So anyway, that's what I'm, I'm drinking. Just something, you know, wanted to kind of share it on a fireside episode that yeah so i guess we could probably apply the cheers system to the the cocktail as well but like where does that fall in the the cheers for you i feel like if i didn't own the herb saint i would like never make this drink because it's like such a specific (laughs) thing it like tastes terrible on its own like i would never i would never use it but now that i have it you know um i've been drinking a ton of them you know like all over the place so at least a three cheers okay um i definitely want to like try it at like bars and just like see if people like kind of put a twist on it or if it's a you know if it's a i feel like in maybe in the west here it might be harder to find you know like that someone actually has like this again Mm -hmm. this herb saint Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to use it do you know what the the price point on the herb saint is like it it feels like bitters are fairly expensive like per volume right? right and so but this is a 750 milliliter bottle, so maybe it's not, but it's also like 50%. So there's just a lot of factors that I don't know how to quantify in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And and in terms of like bars, like bars are always going to stock bitters. So they're going to have like a mm, billion yep. bitters. It looks like it's compared often to, abs- often to absinthe. Like it's Ooh, kind of a okay. similar um, flavor profile, I guess. I've never actually had absinthe. I've not tried it straight or anything else. So <laughs> I hear it makes you feel funny. Right. Yeah. And that's actually like not a thing anymore, by the way. When I was like first, like when I was in like college, I totally thought that that was like, oh, absinthe is like a hallucinogenic. And like, they don't, <laughs> it's obviously not anymore. Like they don't, they can't do right. that. You know? yeah. So yeah, um, it's, it's not like, you know, if you just went and bought absinthe from like a liquor store that it would give, give you hallucinations. <laughs> so don't be afraid if you want to go like buy some, it's just like a, it's just a specific cocktail or liqueur or whatever you want to call it now. <laughs> So anyways, you had asked me what the price was. It looks like I'm seeing online like in the 35 to 40 range. Okay. So, I mean, it is, I, I would consider that fairly pricey for something you wouldn't drink straight. Yeah, for sure. Cause like, I don't know but if it's going to make you a bad. lot. It, it's it's going to make so much, <laughs> like a quarter of an ounce, you know, <laughs> there's like 17 something shots and, and I don't know. It's a lot. I mean, it, it's probably like yeah. 60 or 70 drinks. Okay. That could be well, made from that like is a single bottle to kind of stuff. think about it in that sense, but yeah. Nice. Yeah, 60 or 70 cocktails. Oh, so. cool. That sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. It, it's especially nice with how warm it's been recently and how like that crisp flavor, like we've talked about the shanties and everything, having those on hot days, this feels kind of like the liquor version of like a shanty. Yeah, for sure. For nice. sure. I did. I, I actually forgot this. I said simple syrup. The recipe that was handed to me actually just said a sugar cube. Hmm. Um, 
which is kind of funny because like the main ingredient is like a 45% whiskey, a 45% liqueur and like a lemon peel. So, <laughs> so it was like super boozy the first time that I had it. It was like, Oh my yeah. God, that's like so much. So I switched it to simple sugar just to like add water. And I usually yeah. it with an ice cube just to that's like fair. add more water. Otherwise Diluted it's like, Oh my God. Just a little bit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Otherwise it's just like straight whiskey, but that's fair. So anyways, long winded, but that's, that's what I'm having on my flight. What's on, what's on yours tonight? So tonight I am drinking another beer from the Treehouse Brewing Company, which is a very famous brewing company up in Massachusetts. And so when we stayed at Origins, I we got an Airbnb with Professor Meg, her husband Dan, Roberto, and me. And so they all live in Massachusetts, and they came down and brought a significant amount of Treehouse beer. It gotcha. was a Yeti full of treehouse beer, and it was a glorious sight. But anyways, I, I, <laughs> I we drank a, a lot of it. There was actually a couple of cans left over by the end of the weekend, and I I took a I took a couple home, and so tonight I am enjoying Emperor Julius. So most of their beers, I, I well, most of their beers I have seen. I I don't know if this is actually true for all the treehouse beers, but most of the beers that I have seen from Treehouse are. IPAs and double and triple IPAs and they're all kind of made in that New England style or like the hazy style IPA mm. which is a little bit fruitier um, less bitter sweeter and kind of like tropical fruit flavors and this one is no different this one they have like their Julius line and this is um, really really good it's very hazy it's about an 8.8 percent so it is it is it is heavy it is heavy but it is like sweet it's really like it's not refreshing like it's sweet but not refreshing if like it's hard to kind of you know put that flavor profile into words but it's definitely a four tiers for me if i ever see it it is something that i do plan on picking up everything that i have had from treehouse has been just insanely delicious and so it it is harder to find i did see did see one in the local local store here but I, I didn't pick it up because I had some at home already. But the yeah, so this is Emperor Julius. I've had green or fairy green. They have like the Julius line. They have the green line. They have a couple of different lines that are made with different types of hops. And so this is this is the Emperor Julius, which is one of the ones on the Julius line. So I'm very much enjoying that and reminiscing cool. on my time in Origins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think you have um, because you. It's great that you have like you've create some really close relationships with these, uh, these folks from, um, that, that we've kind of got to know through the board vendors, uh, venue. Yeah. Um, so if you, Nelson, since he's become good friends with them, has gotten into the habit of just referring to them by name. Oh yeah. That's so, fair. <laughs> <laughs> can you run through who those folks are? Um, yep. in case you, so in case Meg is professor Meg. Um, her husband is Dan and then Roberto is sheer boredom. So, yep. Yep. So all, all part of the board vendors crew and, Yep, so I need to remember to call them by the names that they are known for. <laughs> <laughs> Give them a little so, bit of, you know, yeah, thanks. Chan- a little bit of credit, a little bit of promotion, because we, yeah. we do like the content that they create. Yeah, sure. absolutely, absolutely. Alrighty, so let's dive into it. So we're going to, we have a couple of topics, and let's kind of do like a ping pong. So like, you know, I'm going to be selfish, I'll start, and then we'll we'll flip over to your topic, and we'll just bounce back and forth until okay. we get too drunk to talk. How about that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so just kind of general 
overview of Origins, just in case people are curious about it and have not heard about it before. It is a gaming convention produced by Gamma, so the same people who I went to the Gamma Expo. This is kind of their customer-faced facing convention. It's held in Columbus, Ohio. It was held over Wednesday through Sunday, and it was... It was smaller than Gen Con. It was definitely smaller than Gen Con. Gen Con average, or has around usually about 70,000 people pre-COVID. Last year, it was about 35, I think. It was about half of that. And mm-hmm. then at Origins this year, I think there were about seven or 8,000 people. So okay. significantly smaller. Significantly smaller. But that does open up a lot of opportunities to be a little bit more like intimate with some of the people that are there and you're not bumping shoulders with everybody. And it's, it felt a little bit more of a relaxed environment, which was a very nice change of pace. The, the other thing I would say about origins is it feels like per capita. So our per attendee, there seems to be more gaming space than Mm. Gen Con. So it feels to be very much a gamers can, that was, that was a dumb description. It feels very much like a Mm -hmm. convention that is very friendly and open to, People who want to come in and sit down and play games, they have a full library, so you can come in and check out games and play different games that they have just for free, so you don't even have to pay, you just come in and play, or you can play any games that you have bought or brought over the weekend, mm. which I don't, Gen Con has a library, but you have to pay to get into it, and then Gen Con also, the table space can be very limited at some times, gotcha. because a lot of the table space is not necessarily used for open gaming, but it is used for tournaments and events and demos and playthroughs and all of this and so but yeah it was it was a really nice change of pace in that sense it it was a really nice environment it was a really welcoming environment which is true for every convention that i have been to but it's always just nice to go and remember that but i got to talk with a lot of publishers a lot of designers a lot of companies and they have some exciting stuff coming out and i want to preview some of that on today's episode so yeah the first one, well, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> the first one, <laughs> the first one that I want to talk about is actually was my favorite game of the convention and the, my kind of most looking looked forward to games. So if you watch the Board Avengers video, I did talk about this on that video and that game is called Lunar Rush, which is a game by Dead Alive Games who has published one other game before called Omicron, Omicron Protocol. I had a hard time saying that. Omnicron Protocol, which is a kind of a tactical mini style game and was named before the virus. And apparently that killed his SEO. So that sucks. (laughs) He was like, I was number one on all of the search. And then they named the virus Omnicron. And that really hurts. So (laughs) I'm not a huge tactical war game type person. I I don't know if I would ever get into it, but... It's just not kind of my style. However, Lunar sure. Rush is a midweight economic type game, which is exactly what I am into. So it was exciting to see that. I did get to demo that game. And so the whole kind of premise is that there are new minerals and new are new materials that have been discovered on the moon that people on Earth really want to buy. And so the game is sending units and materials in order to extract these new resources from the moon up from earth and then extracting and refining these materials on the moon and then sending them back down to earth to sell to the general public and the way that this is carried out is that there are three lanes up and then three travel lanes down the the longer that it takes to travel the more capacity your ship has to carry 
And so if you're able to plan and say, okay, I know in three turns I will need these resources because I'm upgrading these actions on the moon, then mm. you can plan for that and carry 10 resources instead of just three resources with the with the fast route. Gotcha. Or it's like you planned incorrectly and you're like, oh, shoot, I need one more worker. I need to book him up here in one turn. And yep. so you can plan that your, your long route that takes three turns and then this one turn ship or will arrive at the same time so you have the resources needed gotcha. in, in order to carry out the actions and then kind of it, that's mirrored on the other side as you send resources back down you can send them over one two or three actions and again carrying capacity increases as you increase your actions gotcha. and then you're selling to basically a stock market so once you sell the price does drop and so you're kind of banking and playing the other players of do i need to uh, can i risk Sending all of these resources down, getting there in three turns, and making sure Dalton is not going to jump in there and tank the price mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. I get there and figure all of that out. So gotcha. And I can choose like later to, you know, follow you up and just send like a one turn shipment or yep. something like that yep. just to drop the price a little bit. The yeah, kind of the way that you can think about it is if I send a ship down to Earth that has ten resources on it, that will take three turns. So you will have a turn to load up, send stuff to the moon, refine, put stuff on the ship, and get there before my ship even makes it mm. back. So you, But you're not going to be able to carry that much, and so right. you may not be able to tank the price enough, and it still may be financially feasible for me to send the 10 mm. and maybe instead of making $10, and I'm making numbers, I'm making $8 per unit, but I'm still also selling 10 so I'm out yep. 20 bucks. So... It, it was a it was a really fascinating game. We played kind of the first round and then the last round of the game, so we kind of fast forwarded time just because we were a little bit limited on time. But it is one that I, I plan on um, demoing over TTS. I'm gonna go play do a full playthrough at Gen Con, but it was solid. They're looking at I think they're crowdfunding it later this year, but okay. it's definitely one that I plan on backing because it it is. It's really piqued my interest and the playtime with this whole economic and um, like action selection type game is probably going to be around an hour to maybe an hour and a half. So it's like hmm. right in that sweet spot, really easy to sit down and play. And yeah. so it like checks all of those boxes. And so I'm really excited for it. Yeah, that's definitely shorter than I would have expected. Yeah, it's only played out over seven rounds. And yeah. so taking three rounds to get there is very significant. Like if you think of it that way, mm. right? So you play, you play seven it's rounds. It's kind of your whole strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you, you have to plan well, plan accordingly. And then gotcha. there are like victory point cards and everything that kind of modify the game that we left sure. out. He goes, you, you should play with these and you can play with these, but just for simplicity's sake, we'll explain these after the demo. Yeah. And, and that, that was welcomed <laughs> because where, where where it's not necessarily a complicated game there are a lot of little things that you kind of have to plan mm. and it, like the actions take can be upgraded on the moon and that takes a little bit of time to get used to and so there was a lot to to take in the in the demo but the playtime is very condensed so yeah looks really cool Cool. I'm excited to try it after yeah. you buy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if uh, we, we plan on doing a demo on TTS, so I'll, I'll hit you up and see oh, cool. if, yeah. if you're free that For day. Sure. And then we'll we'll try it. Or Very if not, exciting. I mean, I'm, I think it's an open mod, so we can yeah. just play it. So, 
They're usually trying to drum up hype, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, okay. So that was my number one. I have 12 more things. So your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hitting up our, uh, hitting up our weekend, since it's my turn to have a topic, um, <laughs> hitting up our weekend together. Um, we played, first of all, we played a lot and I, I really enjoyed, um, playing, getting, getting to replay some old games, getting to learn some new ones. I felt like we had a good, um, sort of like variety in type of games. And that was kind of yeah. driven by the people that were there, which is, um, always really fun. Cause you and I, as much as like, I love, uh, just playing games, the two of us, we will tend to like sort of a, a slice of the rainbow that is like all the variety in the board game world, you know? Right. Yep. Um, so it was nice to be able to like have a little bit of variety. Um, but yeah. anyways, um, we did try um, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, which is a game that I've been really interested in a long time. Um, and I, I know it came out in like 2021, so we're a little bit um, behind in terms of kind of bringing it onto the podcast for a discussion. Um, but also it's had some time within the community. People have had time to um, develop their thoughts on it. And um, and so I want to talk about that because, uh, because it is a topic of conversation and I kind of want us to have it a chance to put our kind of put our two cents in and about it. Um, and so first of all, um, if you're not super familiar with it, um, hopefully you are familiar with terraforming Mars, the actual base game. Um, we have a whole a, episode. Yeah, we did a whole episode on it. So you can go <laughs> listen to that. Um, terraforming Mars basically, um, put out this game. It's not an expansion. It's not a reprint. It's just a different game with the terraforming Mars, like branding on it and like IP on it. Um, so it has like the same corporations, um, that are trying to do the same types of things. It has very, um, not one for one cards, but cards that are themed very similarly and everything in your, um, the object of the game is still to terraform Mars. And so you're, um, the game will end when you place all of the oceans, when you, um, get oxygen to a breathable level. And when you get temperature to a comfortable level, um, those three conditions, Mars is considered terraformed. Um, but the way you're getting there, um, in terraforming Mars is fair. The base game is fairly complicated. It's a fairly heavyweight game. Um, really big engine builder and has has euro type components and it, it's it's just a really large game you're playing you're um, drawing cards playing cards you have all these different things going on um, Ares expedition the goal was to try and trim that down right so to put out more of a medium weight type game um, that was accomplishing the same thing the way that they did that um, is they took the um, sort of action I don't even know what you would call this but um, Action selection, action activation, maybe. I, um, I would say action selection. Does it feel like act, action selection? I mean, I guess it kind of is. But anyways, that mechanic, um, out of race for the galaxy. Um, so where you have this, the very first thing that you do in a round is you have five, um, almost like phases, um, but they're basically individual actions that can be activated on a given round, and you choose one of them, and everybody else at the table chooses one of them, um, and every action that is chosen the players go through in that round they go through and they do those actions and if an action is not chosen then you don't get to do it um so there's this little bit of like what do i think other players might choose do i want to choose something else um, it also provides you a bonus if you are the one that chooses the round so um you you know where everybody gets to produce you get to produce and you also get four money um or everybody gets to play one card you get to play two stuff like that um so there's also like maybe a little bit of a, a driver just to kind of play the card that you precisely need um and so anyways, that's the, that's the umbrella of the game. Just an overview of the game as, as short as I can give it. <laughs> um, in terms of our thoughts on it, um, I think the summary would be you can either own this game or you can own Terraforming Mars and Race, um, yep. Race for the Galaxy. It is, it is kind of difficult to own all three. And even if you own already one of those, this one might be a hard game to buy. Unless you, you're me, in which case... <laughs> <laughs> 
Every game <laughs> has a place. Three. <laughs> yeah, as long as they have shelf space. No. But uh, no, I, I agree. I think that it, it's a Venn diagram with three overlapping spots, and you only need two overlapping spots. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and my thought would almost be that I would probably say you you either choose this or race for the galaxy. Like I think that mm-hmm. this game is different enough from Terraforming Mars that I could justify having both of those, but I don't know if I would necessarily want to justify having this and race yeah. in the collection. It, that That's a harder argument for me to make because they are so similar. And I'm wondering like, if it's that way because we know Terraforming Mars like so well, like did yeah, the that's true. That's true. you know did the uniqueness of Ares expansion expedition kind of get lost a little bit? Like because we're familiar with the theming, we're familiar with how the money works, we're familiar with how all the engine components work. Um, so it feels like you're just kind of like playing Race for the Galaxy with like Terraforming Mars stamped on top of it instead. Right. Um, but if I had only ever played Race for the Galaxy, I would like definitely recognize the like main mechanic in the game, this action selection mechanic. Yeah. Um, that would be like very familiar. Um, but the way that all the cards interact would be very fresh. The idea of terraforming would be very fresh. How the victory point system works would be very different. Um, so there, there are definitely like distinct differences there between the two games. Um, but it, it kind of does feel like 50, 50, I, I would almost say instead of like a three way Venn diagram, it feels like it's a two way Venn diagram and Aries expedition is <laughs> just right in the middle. Yeah. yeah. It's hard it to the, justify. It is the middle. Yeah. It is just the middle slice. <laughs> no, yeah, um, that, that, that's good. And it's hard to justify owning it with, um, for me with either one. But again, that you're right, that that is a, that is a tolerance issue between different gamers. How much do they want games to be similar? So that's something you maybe have to decide for yourself. Um, it's definitely a game worth trying. I was so glad to have played it. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. It had, I think it had fairly solid mechanics. It was a little bit uh, broad, maybe. Um, in terms of like experience, we had talked about like it wasn't that much shorter than playing Terraforming Mars. Yep. That, and and we, that was my big issue with it. Yeah. Is I, I was looking at kind of the play times. And granted, we've only played two games of, I have only played two games of Ares Expedition. And basically both games were learning games because there was a long enough gap in between the two games that I did kind of have to relearn a lot of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. But I've averaged an hour and 45, and that was with a two and a three-player game. And with yep. Terraforming Mars, which we have a lot more experience with, so take that with a grain of salt, is about two and a half. And so it's yep. 45 more minutes to pull out the full meaty version of Terraforming Mars. And if Ares was an hour... That would, it would be a different conversation, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially specifically because Race for the Galaxy is like thirty minutes or something. Yeah, like I think I averaged twenty-two. So yeah, yeah, it's so much shorter, um, and it just fits really, really well. Like you get such good content in those like 25, 30 minutes. Mm, yeah, um, very. Where like Ares Expedition, I did feel towards the end. I don't. Again, I don't know if this is an us thing. I don't know if we were slow, if we weren't terraforming enough. We're used to like engine building in. Um, terraforming mars and so like maybe that was slowing us down you know not playing the game or whatever like playing to end the game <laughs> right uh, but it did feel like it was just kind of dragging in like the second half of the game like we were like man it, it is that as far as we've gotten in like temperature like it's only like five steps up we have like to do 20 or something how did yeah how have we it only gotten this far? very exponential in the game that we played yeah it did explode for sure because we went from about halfway up and i think we like increased heat like four to five steps oxygen about the same amount and flip two ocean tiles. And it was just like, we just like into the game and did almost 
like 30% of the terraforming in one round. Like it yeah. it was just like a an insane rush towards the end which maybe that is how it is and if that's how it is you can adapt your play strategy to that but I was like I was just like I'm sitting here looking at all the cards I was like I have a lot of cards that I wanted to play. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, and I think um too when we talk about timing you know we are comparing like our learning games, uh, which we like, because we were so familiar both with race and terraforming Mars, I don't think that our learning added too much, except for that we might've been just doing the wrong thing, but our turns were <laughs> fairly short. Like it wasn't yeah, like we were sitting yeah. there having to look at the rule book and just try to figure out how to play. There wasn't very much of that. Um, so I feel like maybe it could have been an hour and a half, um, versus our like hour 45 play. Yeah. Um, at like experience level, but we're comparing like maybe a slightly high estimation of, um, Aries expedition to like a fairly short expectation for terraforming Mars. Cause I have played like three and a half hour. Even I think I've played like a four hour game of terraforming Mars. That game can get very long. It really can. Yeah. Um, especially with like new players and stuff. It can, it can be up there. So, so it might be fair to say that like Aries expedition does cut the game time in half. Um, I just don't think that even if it's cut in half, I don't think it's justifying like an hour and a half. I think you're right. It should, it, I would really, I really wanted it to target like an hour. Um, and it just wasn't quite there. It was pretty heavy to try and finish within an hour. Yeah. Part of me wants to run it back with my wife and just a two player game. Now that we like the rules are fresh in our head and see sure. where that playtime falls. Mm-hmm. Because I think a two, well, no, I think a two player game actually takes longer. Right? I, Be- it, it might. I mean, like because of the action selection, like theoretically fewer actions are selected each round for the players to take. And you don't have to terraform any less. Yeah. Yeah, so you will definitely play more rounds for sure. I don't know if that will yeah, make the game longer. That, yeah, true, true. Theoretically, it should make the game longer because everything <laughs> in the game is simultaneous. And so yeah. um, theoretically, yes, it, it should make the game longer. Hmm. I, I'm interested in trying that at least because yeah. Yeah, if see. you do know what you're doing, if you do get in the groove, if you can cut it down to under 90 minutes, even under 60 minutes, then I think that this game becomes a lot more justifiable in my head. But yeah. As of right now, after two plays, it is kind of, you know, I, I have a shelf that is like, these are the games I'm looking to trade and it's mm-hmm. inching closer to that shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially because it uh, the spot it occupies in the Venn diagram. Right. Um, to close out, like that was a kind of our experience conversation to close out the components part. It, it definitely has some misses and components. It, it mm-hmm. feels a little bit rushed. It feels a little bit like playtesting didn't get all the way through it. Um, there's like a lot of fiddly little cubes that have to like sit in their just right spot on this cardboard and, and terraforming Mars suffers from this too. You like really need uh you know, dual, um, dual level player boards or something or something. Um, but Ares expedition, because it's a physically smaller game, that problem is kind of exacerbated a little bit because all of your stuff feels closer together and cramped and you're like so nervous. You're going to hit something and knock stuff out of, uh, you know, out of its spot or whatever. Um, so yeah. I, I didn't really like that. Um, there were like things that just didn't quite like fit like a cube that wasn't like quite the right size to be <laughs> on its spot, you know, it was right. slightly yeah, too yeah. large or whatever. And, and then when we were trying to play with three people. It's like, all of you have to like sit on this spot. And if they were like flat pieces that stacked nicely, that wouldn't be a problem, but they're just a plastic cube. And I don't want to stack a plastic cube on top of another plastic cube. It just like, it, it just physically, it didn't work very well. Um, Though I will say that the artwork was very nice, so that yeah. that was very high production value. The um, the artwork was definitely a step up from yeah. what Terraform Mars was for sure, and also just like the quality of like paper components um, we had mentioned, both the rulebook and the actual cards um, felt very high, and so yeah, that, that was like part a nice of the linen was very nice. finish yeah. type deal. Yeah, and, and I will say that I bought like the retail Target version of the game, which 
I believe if you buy not that version, it does come with dual layer player boards. Okay. But I think my I think I only spent like thirty bucks on it. And so That's nice. Yeah, so it's like it's it's a, it's, yeah. it's a good it's a good bit of game for thirty bucks. Oh yeah. I think yeah. I did get it on sale, but it was at Target, so Yeah. I would There's wonder that. a little bit about replayability. Um I, I would it, just maybe wonder. Yeah. How much time and, do I want to invest in that in that game over and over and over? Right, because again, if we're comparing it to Terraform Mars, there's a lot of replayability because there's a lot of strategies. It's a very strategic mm-hmm. game, and if you compare it to Race for the Galaxy, it's very replayable because it's 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, it's maybe kind of hitting an awkward spot between the two of those where it's success, right. where it is successful at neither. Yep. Um, the last thing I want to say, this is something we talked about at length, and so I just wanted to bring it up on the podcast. On the podcast, there have been a lot of critiques of this game. Um, that is basically just stealing the race for the galaxy mechanic, the action selection mechanic, which when at the time when that came out felt super unique, felt very fresh and interesting. And the whole game was built around just this mechanic. Um, and it was exciting and it was cool and new and it's a Renaissance feeling and, and we loved it. Right. Um, and so then terraforming Mars came in and they kind of stole it a little bit. Um, and it's <laughs> yeah. really like flagrant, like the actions are similar. Um, there are five of them. Um, just like there are five of them in, in race. Um, and because it's so central to like what you do on your turn, even though like rules wise, it's actually fairly small. Like you can explain it in two sentences, like what, what is going to happen. Um, and then the rest of it is explaining what the actions do, but the actual mechanic of, Oh, the players each select one. Those are the only ones that are active. Like that, that's all you need to know. So it's within the rule book. It's a fairly small portion of the weight of the game. Right. Um, But because you interact with it so heavily each round and it's so important to what you're doing, it feels your experience. It feels like a very large portion of the game and it feels like they just kind of ripped it. Um, the flip side of that is this is kind of what games do, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, we had mentioned Dominion as an example. Like Dominion was a deck builder. When that came out, it was super fresh. It was new. Nobody had ever done something like this before. And now there's a bunch of deck builders. Um, they sort of like defined its own genre. You know, it's like Mumford and Sons or something, right? <laughs> like, yeah, right. Where it just defined its own genre and everybody started doing it because it was so cool. Yeah. Um, and so maybe it's okay. And maybe for us as, a, as gamers, like this is a good thing. This is the evolution of the industry and like we should be happy for it. Um, but something about it, it just leaves a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth where you're like, I don't know that this was totally kosher. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, and I think we had also kind of compared it to worker placement or, or something like that, but I just don't, I don't know what it is. It just feels, it doesn't feel like they improved upon that mechanic mm-hmm. enough. And it's a unique enough mechanic that I felt like it needed to be improved on a little bit more. Actually, I, I said enough. I don't think that they improved on it at all. I, I think it, mm-hmm. it is pretty much the exact same. Yeah. So it's control C, control V, slap Terraforming Mars IP on it. Yeah. You and know. so I, I know a lot of people are fairly frustrated with that. And, yeah. and I can see why. I can see why. But For sure. It feels a little disingen- disingenuous, um, especially because like race is a smaller game and Terraforming Mars is like has been top five on board game geek, right? Right. So it's enormous and it kind of feels like the big guy picking on the little guy a little bit. And that, that maybe doesn't feel super good. Yeah. Um, But I would love to see more games use this idea of this form of action selection. Um, It is fun. Um, I could see like a game, for instance, like even if like it hadn't been blind, right? Like if there's a player's like turn order system, so you pick one and then the next person picks one and then the next person picks one or something like that. Um, you know, that feels a little bit like even Twilight Imperium has like the feeling of drafting the strategy cards and that, you know, um, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of ways it could have been improved and it just wasn't. And so it feels a little 
little bit of a cop out. But when you see reviews for this game, the reason I'm bringing this up, if you haven't, is they are they're very polarized, and some of that is because people are reviewing it for what it is, and some people are reviewing it in in light of Race for the Galaxy and saying they shouldn't have done this, and they give it a really low rating for that reason. Yep. Yep. Not saying right or wrong. It's just like <laughs> why you see the reviews that way. Yep. Nope. Totally. So the the next thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is more of a. <laughs> this episode is is very spread out. I'll just I'll just say that now. But this is what <laughs> we're here to do. the The next or the the next episode. The the next topic that I wanted to talk about is kind of this push that we have seen for these like overly produced luxurious deluxified type games Mm. and so this right now they did a new version of castles of burgundy which is really nice has like all these 3d pieces clytope just did or has right now on kickstarter Ciro. so it's a you know the tile laying have you played Ciro? i think yes yeah i played it i think once in like a coffee shop right where it's it's a you know, it's a very light game where players are just pulling tiles, playing them, and trying not to run off the board. And like now, it's on Kickstarter for a three hundred fifty dollar, fully <laughs> deluxe, luxurious price tag. I mean, it looks <laughs> gorgeous, right? It, it's a it's a oh big God. wooden box. It's you know cast metal. The tiles are stone. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. And I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on like the deluxification of some of these games because yeah you know I'll, I'll let you respond and then I'll, I'll i'll say what i have to think okay um they're basically they're playing to collectors right it's a money it's a money grab um to collectors and so there's a group of people um out there who will pay for this right they mm-hmm. they have expendable cash and they they like to have the really nice version of something um, right. Th- this happened. I don't, it, it was not the first, but my first interaction with this concept was with Catan, right? Where they, yeah, they yeah. put out those huge, like the $250 th- version of Catan. Yeah. They put out the, and it became, it became an investment opportunity. Honestly, people were buying like 10 <laughs> or 20 copies, holding onto them, selling them later for like a, a game. It was stupid in my mind, but people, you know, whatever, like whatever makes you happy. Right. right. If you want to spend your money and, that's what brings you happiness and spending your money. That's great. Good for you. I think it's a little bit presumptive of Ciro to claim that spot, right? I, I think mm-hmm. I think this can be done for like a 20-year release of Catan, sure, in my okay. mind. You yeah. Know? Um, I know that Ciro is a popular game. People have played it, you know, but it feels like santorini coming out with like a mega produced value game and i'm like i'm not gonna pay for that <laughs> yeah 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 and, and and that's totally fair so so i i put out a a poll on instagram which is still going so the the results may be a little bit different by the time the the poll ends but i i basically asked like what are your thoughts on these luxury types games and there's the love it there's if it's the right game i would back it and then there's i would never back one Mm-hmm. And it was actually, I'm actually kind of surprised. So 33% of people said love them. They absolutely love them. Uh, 47% of people said if it was this right game, I would back it. Mm-hmm. And then 20% of people said I would never back it. Yep. Which I thought that was kind of interesting. And I mean, Suro itself has 10 days to go and is $250,000 of an $80,000 goal. So obviously wow. people enjoy it and like it. Yeah. And I think it is kind of this, if you can find the right luxury game, 
then it is almost like a it's it's like a nice leather bound book right yeah. like think about yeah, it like that and, or you know it's it goes on the coffee table and you probably aren't going to play it but it's like a piece of art and so mm-hmm. it, it's just something that we've seen a lot in the industry recently and we haven't really talked about and like i don't rate components high right yeah. like i 10 percent of my mech rating is in components but i'm also looking at the zero game I'm like damn that's really beautiful <laughs> it is it's gorgeous like you know it's it 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 kind of tries to justify its price tag, right? Like mm-hmm. I think just if just in components alone, it gets, you know, like you said, it's, it's a work of art. It's, it's yeah. very, very pretty Great yeah. woodwork. And I don't know. I'm a, I'm a fan <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's absolutely like the, the rule book is on a, a bamboo scroll. Like it, yeah. they, they went all out. And so I just wanted to touch on it just to kind of get, your thoughts on it because we are seeing a lot of these but it's also i want to play a lot of games and if i spend 350 that means i'm not buying six games yeah exactly yeah this is not for people who are on a budget you know this is (laughs) (laughs) that's not how this works um you know it could also be like maybe it's a good present you know i could see somebody like yeah you know really enjoying this as like a gift um yeah I think like the core of how I feel about it is like this affects my life basically not at all. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, if very. this makes people happy, good. I'm so glad. And if like it, it allows the, um, you know, the creators and the producers of the game to put out some other game because this is basically funding it, then good for them. I'm, I'm excited to see what that next game is. Yeah. Um, I just like there. There's also been an ancillary push, I think, um, to really drive up the component cost of like just base games. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And some of this comes from you know from goals and whatnot and crowdfunding operations and so uh, so some of it is that um and they find that people are willing to pay for it um and so that's great but it also for me personally as someone who um again like you said like i expect a game to not fall apart um and i do like i have especially when i'm interacting with the game i have a big push for components where i'm like okay now i'm like in Ares expedition where it's like this is now impacting my ability to play the game and i'm really frustrated yeah, with that exactly yeah um but in general, if it's going to like drive up the price of a game significantly, then I would prefer that it wasn't in there. There's a big push for large minis, um, you know, and stuff like that where people want to be painting them. And I'm like, I don't know, just give me the pretty mini, you know, like already done or just give me a token like yep. standees. Like this is not that important to me. And I, I would like <laughs> to own this game, but now I can't because it's like $20 more expensive than it's really worth for its gameplay. And it's annoying, right? Yep. Yep. No, totally agree. Totally agree. Something that I want to start doing is in in these fireside episodes when we talk about games i want to put links in the show description so people can easily find them and so i'm looking at the kickstarter right now and if nothing else you should at least go look at it and so i'll, I'll, drop, <laughs> I'll drop the link in, yeah. in the show notes or not I'll we can't it show it to notes. you in this medium yeah, you have to go look right? it for, for yourself <laughs> right but that the link will be down there along with the links of the other games that we have talked about just so you can easily find those and access them but i mean like I don't even think I like I I enjoy Zero. I think it's a good game, but I'm just like drooling over this. Like, it's, it's sexy. There's it not another sexy. word for it. Like it is sexy. Yeah, it's a fabric play mat. Yeah. <laughs> this game fucks, that's for yeah. sure. This game <laughs> yeah, smokes right? cigars and <laughs> drinks whiskey. It actually doubles as a humidor. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so I I don't know which category you're in, like love it would do it for the right game or, or never but let's assume you were in like the would do it for the right game like it like what would that game be i, w- I was very much considering castles of burgundy mm, yeah. all right i i think that that was that was a good one 
Um, yeah, that was specifically like a low production cost game, right? That mm-hmm. com- yep. components wise, where we yep. always joke about space stations and maroon or whatever, right? Because yeah. the the theme and the components are like really basic, so there's definitely room for that <laughs> to throw something on it. Yep. If I had not already 3D printed all of the tiles for terraforming Mars, I would have backed the terraforming <laughs> Mars big box. <laughs> so, like that that was not that we condone copyright infringement. No, and, and we print. I printed them before that was even announced, and so <laughs> I, I feel a little bit better about that. Yeah. But I mean, like, I love Terraforming Mars. It was my favorite game at one point, and and I enjoy like the 3D and what what picture and world that kind of creates of putting those tiles out on the board. So I I would have done that if also just if nothing else for the storage solution because it it does combine <laughs> all the expansions into one box, which is really yeah. nice. But I I really did think about Terraforming Mars castles of burgundy and i guess i should probably give an answer that is not already been produced okay so i think i would probably i i would be interested in kind of a deluxified version of like a food chain magnate mm. so something that has very low components the the problem there is that i don't get to play food chain magnate all that much but mm. it, yeah. it would also be kind of fun to have some sort of deluxified version about of, of that mm. what about you yeah um pokemon master trainer 1999 edition yes <laughs> absolutely partly because yes. i just wanted to be reprinted yeah right, right. i actually you know adultified components at this point is a cardboard board so that's right that's right <laughs> but can you imagine like you know i don't know like you have your little tra- like a trainer as like a physical little model you know that'd be so cool and instead of chips it has like little pokemon models you know and and maybe you get to like clip little pokeballs onto your little belt or something you know? oh that'd be so cool i know oh, dude oh i'd be yes. so into it Yes, God, I print, would spend so much money. Yeah, shut up and take my money. Exactly. It's already like to find a version of it, it's already like over 200. So, <laughs> right. You know. So, the deluxified version it probably could possibly be cheaper. Exa- so. <laughs> exactly. It could possibly be cheaper. I'm basically saving money. Um, and plus, you get Pokemon. So, yeah. There have to be like so many models though, because it's like 100. I don't remember if it's 150 or 151, but, but there's a there's already like 150 something like chips in the game to represent the Pokemon, right? So yeah, <laughs> have like that many models and then multiples of them to like make sure that everybody. Can, it would be stupid, but um, <laughs> it'd be fantastic. Is no, what I you to- mean? I would buy it. I'd totally buy it. That yeah, that'd be incredible. If you don't know this game, like it's it's very like it's a very millennial thing where like this game came out and it feels like everybody. Um, who was like into Pokemon at some point played it. I know that we owned it at some yeah. point. We had a version of the game, and I've no. It must have gotten sold in a garage sale or something. We probably moved. My parents got rid of it for five dollars. It was probably five dollars exactly. And and this game was a goddamn masterpiece. And it was <laughs> it was <laughs> only because you had to love Pokemon. It's broken basically. Like it doesn't really work, and the end of the game doesn't make sense. And um, <laughs> but you, you know you should go look it up if you like Pokemon. Yeah, it's really funny. Oh man, that, no, that's a fantastic choice. That, that's a great one. If nothing, to just get it again, <laughs> just get the game. Just play. I just want to play it once. I just want to play it once more, and then I'll be like, ah, oh, that's right, it, it sucks. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> bad. Feel better. That's real bad. <laughs> so, exactly. Oh, that's funny. Oh. You want to do a book topic? We've hit. Yeah, a lot let's of do a book topic. Here. Yeah, your turn to do a book quick. topic. All right, a little bit of housekeeping first. Um, so I'm continuing to read Wheel of Time. Um, I'm in book six. Um, this is really where people fall in love with the series. You know, the, like these these kind of middle books are really the meat of it. Um, so Whoa, I'm on. You know, I'm like halfway cresting. there. I'm not though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Isn't it 12? Oh, it is. Yeah. There's like, okay. I think there's like 14 with like novellas and stuff. But, oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Yep. You know, so I'm like, I think it might be, I might be on the plateau. I don't know. It might start to go down some point, but right now it's like super good. So I'm loving it. Um, but yeah. when we have talked about the show previously, um, I've said some things that are just factually inaccurate. So um, now that I know more about the story um, and I know more um, about like the the writing style and the author, I just want to share some things. So um, I had one complaint that I had about the show was that I felt it was too sexy. I felt that that was kind of added in. I mean, that that was unnecessary, um, an unnecessary addition. Um, I had also right. mentioned that in the book, I uh, that the characters are, I think I said like 15 or 16 or something like that. Um, so both of those things are inaccurate. Um, so the characters are 20 years old and they're presented that way in the show. So that is an accurate detail okay. within the show. Okay. So I just, I felt I needed to correct that. Um, and then while... Um, there aren't. There definitely are not sex scenes within the show or within the books. Um, there definitely are in the show. <laughs> within the <laughs> books, um, there are there are scenes where sex is definitely implied. Um, okay. So where um, two characters are it like skips to like maybe after and they're like in a in a room together um, and interacting. But it's t- it talks about how they're like um, how, how there's bare skin and stuff and it doesn't describe anything sexy. It's definitely happening within the story. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, it wasn't unprecedented necessarily. Yeah, yeah, and I think I still think that the way it was presented um, is much more heavy-handed within the show um, than it is within the book series. It's it's definitely kind of skirted around, mm-hmm. um, but there are characters which are a little flirty and you know which get into romantic um, storylines with other characters um, within the story. So um, it is it just something I just felt I needed to correct. Um, that was the first thing. The second thing is that I've um, said before that he um, that he Robert Jordan the author. Um, was Mormon, and that's not true either. So uh, he is Episcopalian, or was, he, he's passed now. So it is a denomination of Christianity, um, but it's definitely distinct from Mormonism, and those have very different implications. So I just, you know, it's not actually relevant a lot to a lot of our content, but because it was in, <laughs> inaccurate, I, I wanted yeah. to correct that. So um, anyways, an update of where I'm at in the Wheel of Time series, um, towards the end of book six, and then some some factual corrections. So, um, But the book I wanted to talk about um, is Anansi Boys. Um, so I read a book called Anansi Boys. This is a fairly famous um, Neil Gaiman book, um, one of his one of his bigger titles. Um, and this is one I picked up in a bookstore just because it was used and cheap, and I had heard of it and really liked Neil Gaiman, so I picked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really know anything about it. I kind of just opened the book and started reading it, which is kind of a fun change of pace because usually there's like at least a little bit of research that I've done. Um, but this one was right, just that yeah. I, I've heard of the book and I've heard it's good and I didn't know anything about it, so... Um, the concept of it is that gods exist just to ruin, you know, the same experience for you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But if I can't talk about it, then, you know, we don't have anything to talk about. So, um, but just to prompt it like this, um, as Neil Gaiman books go, I felt was a little bit more easy to get into. Um, he can be fairly, he can make a lot of like implication and be like a little like wordy and even like confusing when things are like softly worded or implied where you're like, wait, but what happened though? Like now I'm confused. You know, like I get that feeling a lot. And this yeah. one was a l- like a lot more direct. Um, I got that feeling with like Neverwhere and some other things where there's like dark, confusing, mysterious magic going on. And you're like, I don't understand what's happening, you know? Um, yeah. And this one was a lot more direct. Um, okay. And so, I, and so I enjoyed that about it. I think if you have not read Neil Gaiman of, I have not read all of his work, but of the work that I have read, um, this one might be a good place to start. I felt like, um, because it kind of eases you into his style of writing um, and it eases you into his uh, style of soft magic and how he handles it. Um, Very cool. Yeah, but the concept is that uh, basically a, a a guy, just like a normal guy, um, he's like an accountant and has a fiance and lives in England. Um, 
finds out that he is like the child of a god and um and that kind of turns his life upside down that, yeah that, that's basically that, that's gonna throw a wrench in the plan yeah exactly exactly <laughs> Um, and the way the like gods work is they are kind of like tied to like animals. Um, okay. And so there are like, there's like a tiger God and, and, you know, and there's like a bird God or whatever. And so I, I think it's maybe revealed a little bit too late in the story to talk specifically about like what his um, father okay. was tied yeah. to. Um, but it does kind of like tie into like what he can do um, and what his, uh... but I, I, I think I can say that part of, because it's declared very early on, um, that part of like what his father does is he's he's very like tricky, um, and so it feels maybe even like a little Loki like. Um, oh, okay. And maybe yeah. not quite that much, but he's like kind of a little mischievous and a little bit of like a punk, and 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 he actually like you know he is kind of estranged from his dad right at the start of the story, um, and so kind of like having to resolve some of those issues on top of like inheriting some of his like responsibilities almost um, is kind of what makes the story fun. I think it's about all I can say with, about it without like ruining too much, but it's not a long read. Um, it was like a fairly, you know, wide margin book um, with spacing and fairly large. Uh, I did read this one physically, so I don't, I don't have an audiobook hour rating for you. Um, I think it was around like 330 pages maybe. Okay. Um, and not That's a ton not of content on each page. So it, it was fairly short. Um but I was really looking forward to reading it at night. I was I was super into it. Well, that, that does sound really interesting. I'm just yeah. kind of looking online as, as you're talking about it because it's not something that I have ever come across. Yep. But they are doing a Amazon Prime series with Whoopi Goldberg as the star. So, <laughs> really? Well, that, so <laughs> that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. So that's uh that's currently. Does he give you like that, her character name? Like who is she? Uh, she is only because like I said the main character is like a son and father. So Bird Woman. Oh, nice. Okay. She's the bird guy. That's yep. sweet. So, so I it says it's an upcoming uh, fantasy television miniseries. So I'm not quite sure when that is releasing, but it is slated for a six episode miniseries. Cool. So that's, that's all not... I know about it. That's all I can contribute to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's not totally surprising, though, right? They did, um, they did Good Omens um, in kind of the same way. Um, yeah, which is, which is another Neil Gaiman um, book. That one's about like the end of the world, like the biblical apocalypse and so there's like an angel and a demon who are trying to kind of work together to stop the apocalypse because they kind of like how the world is and mm-hmm. um and and so that that's the concept of that one and they did it makes for a really good you know short series um so i think that's i think that's pretty wise and nice i'm trying to see if i just know any i don't know any of these other names i i didn't recognize anything yeah does it give you just as you're as you're looking at that does it give you like a time frame I it, I see. I'm I was trying to. I was trying to find that before I jumped in with my with my the meat of my uh, and con- contribution to the to the uh, conversation here. But it says that in July of twenty one, it gave the production series an order of six episodes, and okay. that they are. I I don't see if filming. Oh, filming has began. Filming began in November, so my guess would be probably later this year. Okay, or cool. early next year. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think you know compared to other like shows that have books around them, this would be a super easy one to like, you know, re watch first and then read or read first and then, and then cool. watch just cause it's, it's not that long. So, yeah, I don't think I've read any Neil Gaiman. So I, I need to, this may be that stepping stone into yeah. <laughs> the gateway Neil Gaiman book, the gateway Gaiman, <laughs> the gateway Gaiman. There we go. Okay. But I like it. Trademark. Put cool. our, put our name on it. Put our name on his name. Yeah. I'm yes. sure that would go. That would go well. <laughs> Alrighty, I got one more thing to talk about. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and so, share one more. Well, actually, no. I have way more things, but I want to be aware of our time. But sure. the last thing that I want to talk about is another game that is coming out soon from Addix Games, A D D A X Games, which is a fairly unknown publisher. They have done one other quote 
not not necessarily game, but expansion to Gloomhaven. And so mm-hmm. it's Gloomhaven is under a Creative Commons license, and so they put out a a expansion called Crimson Scales, which is a fan made expansion for Gloomhaven that has over seventy scenarios. I mean, it's a very involved expansion to Gloomhaven. They sold it at cost, and so it's you know they weren't looking to make money off of it just to get the content out. But now they are producing their own game called Rove or Project Rove, and so this game feels very much derived from Gloomhaven and that system where it's kind of a dungeon crawler storytelling type game where you're playing a character that gets leveled up and you interact and fight monsters and everything. So we did a demo at Origins and just with one little caveat, I have not heard or know any part of the story of the game and mm-hmm. so I cannot speak to that. But in our full scenario we did a full scenario playthrough of the game mechanically i i think it is a stronger game than gloomhaven wow i yeah it it was very good it it was very very impressive it's very similar where you know on your turn you get to take uh your actions and you have cards but the cards are not in your hand they're on the table and they are double-sided cards and whenever you take the action you will flip that card or flip multiple cards based on kind of what the card tells you to do so you can't like spam one action mm-hmm. and and so that was really cool and it's kind of a fun puzzle because there are rally cards there are rave cards and there are react cards so rally cards kind of build up your skill points which you will then use to spend as a resource to trigger your big rave cards which are like these big actions big like really involved in like your character special ability type actions that are pretty game changing and then react is something that i think was would have been a good thing for gloomhaven to include where it's a if an enemy moves next to you activate this action and you can move three spaces so it's you know it's like a reaction in pathfinder or something like that where you're 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 reacting to a uh, an action that was taken by the enemy but it, it's a fun puzzle to try and figure out how to build up your skill points to activate. And that that was really cool. The characters seem really cool as well. There are two basic actions on each character that you will always take or that you have the option to always take. So instead of playing a card to move in Gloomhaven, so like you play two cards in Gloomhaven, you're saying, I'm doing this and I have to use this for a move. You always have that option in Rove. And so that allows you to kind of have more fun with it right like like you you, it it it, i don't know if it's a less punishing game because of that because the monsters did seem a little bit harder but so it's like i can always move i can always do this attack or whatever and then i get to do one of my cards and so that was really fun for me but it does seem like they have learned a lot from just being massive fans of gloomhaven in like setup so what they were saying is that all of the scenarios are going to be in a book similar to like a Jaws of the Lion experience, but also all the monsters that you are facing are also going to be in a book. Mm. And so you open the book to scenario three, you have all the maps, you have all of the monsters, you have all of the effects and everything and the storybook. And so you don't have tiles that you're looking through. You don't have monster decks because instead you have a bag that has like activation A, B, C, and D. Mm. And for each monster, you draw a tile and it's saying this monster is doing activation A, which is less severe than D. Okay. And so the bag is weighted more towards A. However, you can change the difficulty by throwing more Ds 
into the bag and making the game harder in that sense. Yeah. But it also kind of balances itself that not every monster is going to do its insane attack every turn or yeah. <laughs> at the same time. And so, yeah. so that, that I thought that was really smart and how they did that. And they are pushing to Kickstarter in uh, later this year, but it is one that I am very excited for. And I really, I'd like, I, I haven't seen much about it like online and I think it's starting to get a little bit more chatter, but it is one that, Definitely go if you're a fan of Gloomhaven, go look it up. Mm. Um, because it's going to fulfill way after you're going to get Frosthaven. So, right, like if they, I don't know when they're promising fulfillment, but it's going to be way after they promise it, just like Frosthaven was supposed to fulfill like 18 months ago or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Frosthaven has started production, we got that update just recently, and so you're going to get Frosthaven if you backed it. And then I would say that this is. From the two hour or so demo that I did, this is one that I am very much excited for. Mm-hmm. And I I think that the story holds up because I've heard really good things about Crimson Scales, okay. which is the expansion. And so like they have that skill set on the team. So I don't expect this to be any less appealing, but um, I just wanted to say I, I don't have any idea what the story is, but they it's like 25 characters. It, I mean, it is an it's a big box that they are planning but we'll we'll definitely be posting about it on socials as it comes out but like i i am i am super pumped i i was i was blown away by it very cool i mean yeah it's been i don't know how long has it been five years since gloomhaven came out something like that has it no don't tell me that that makes that hurts i feel like it's a 2017 game you can look it up oh i I feel like it is a 2017 and like that 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 sounds so much closer than five years ago Right, right, <laughs> and I think I don't know. I, there, I don't know that there have been you know something really truly in its footsteps kind of thing, like really truly accomplishing the same things that it accomplished. There mm-hmm. have probably been things that have tried, and I just haven't. I've just kind of missed them. But mm-hmm. yeah, like we we've seen a push for some of these types of games. So you've seen like Lord of the Rings, Journey of Middle Earth, and, yeah. and those types of games come out. Yeah. So I don't know. So it's exciting that you know someone's kind of trying to take up the torch. You know take Mm -hmm. you know kind of pass the banner on and and keep going especially like like you said since we um frosthaven has been in the works for a very 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 long time um (laughs) and and it is disappointing right it's just it's disappointing that it's taken so long to kind of put out put out the next step um i mean we had jaws of lion but uh i don't know it just feels like there's room it feels like again this is a um this is a race for the galaxy it's a it's a dominion right it's um, it's your first worker placement game. It's it, they kind of like busted out and they made their own genre, um, and, and and that's maybe a little bit, um, maybe that's maybe that's too much to say because it's basically a whole bunch of other genres combined. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it, it's but like just the feel of a Gloomhaven type game. Um, it's still number one. It has been for like forever. So there's definitely yeah. people like it, and there's <laughs> definitely room to continue to do it. So yeah, I feel like Gloomhaven is going to be like Kleenex. Right. It's going to be, you know, the mm-hmm. trademark name that everyone's going to refer to these types of stuff. Oh, it's a Gloomhaven game. Right. right. That That's way easier than saying it's a immersive storytelling card driven action selection dungeon crawling. Like, yeah. I, I, like yeah. oh, yeah. it's a glo- it's it's like Gloomhaven. And yeah. like I, I have been trying to describe games less by comparing them to other games. Mm-hmm. Um but sometimes when it's it's like this or if it's like Ares and Race, right? That that's right. a very easy and almost like needed comparison to make. Yeah. But I will say it does feel 
heavier than Gloomhaven, which mm. is a big ask. Yeah. Right there. There are rewards. It's a double-edged sword, right? Like there's a lot of rules and there's a lot of statuses. There's a lot of like things like that and that that you have to kind of keep track of. There's different types of elements and the element board is kind of cool because it's like the elements stay active in um until you they get pushed off kind of like a, a train style so they get pushed down the board until they're pushed off and they're active all the time while they're on that board and it it's different than like gloomhaven like they're gone in two rounds so yeah. this one you can kind of plan a little bit better and so so there is that um and it's also going to be i think a little bit more cooperative in the sense yeah. of like you don't have initiative you have the player phase and you decide who goes when mm-hmm. so it's very much a okay hey like can you can you charge that and if you can move here then i'm not going to hit you in my aoe attack gotcha um and so it, it's like is there any way that you can pull him so it feels very spirit island in that sense yeah where it's like you kind of like work together to figure out the actions rather than the puzzle that gloomhaven provides of you're going first, so now we have to optimize around you going first. Yeah, and now we have Which to do like tricky bad. types of communication yeah. of like, yep. I can't say the number, but I can say that it's... <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 99. Yeah, exactly. How low <laughs> is your number? Yeah, but... I'm, But yeah, it, it is complex, which opens up a lot of, I think, rewarding gameplay if you take the time to learn the system. And it it's very much, you know, an easy step if you already know Gloomhaven. But if you're coming in cold, this is... It's going to take a while to learn. So, gotcha. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, you know. it's good to know, but I think any of these games is going to take... I mean, it took me like three days to learn Gloomhaven. Right. So. It takes a long time to learn Pathfinder, you know? It, yeah, yeah, very true. like that, so... Very true. Yeah, these immersive RPG-type games, they're often just heavy, so... Yeah, yep. But yeah, so that is Project Rove or Rove. Exciting. Yeah, I... I So, like, we, we sat down and we did the demo with... Uh, Professor Mag, Sheerboredom, and Dan. And it was like I sat down and they started explaining the rules. And I'm just like, this is a lot. This is, this mm-hmm. is a lot. But they had like, we're, and they're very much in early prototype stages for components, at least. Yeah. Like we were playing off of like, they printed it from the computer map. Yeah. They put it on like, like it is an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. <laughs> so, so, like, but, please like, don't that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But their, their player aids were already really well fleshed out. And so like, I, you know, once I understood like a couple of the key icons, I was very easily just able to look at the player aid and like, Oh, okay, cool. I can get an understanding of what this is going to do and, mm. and run with it. Very fun. So, so yeah, that, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be one that we're going to see how quickly I can hit that back button. <laughs> cool. There there are a lot more that I things that we can and probably will talk about here on future episodes, but these are meant to be a little bit more bite size. And so I think we're going to call it there for the night for our topics, but we'll finish it off with a little bit of housekeeping. So you can find us anywhere on social media. The best places to find us are going to be on Instagram under Fantasy and Some Flights or our Discord. We do communicate on there as well. So those are the two places that we're most active on. And so, and if you, uh, if you could, if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share with a friend, we also would love that. 
it's always fun. We don't really ask for that a lot, so might as well ask for it every once in a while. <laughs> but it, it really helpful. does help. It really does help. It, the the internet algorithms do get pleased by that. So that's true. Yeah. We yeah, we serve gods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We live SEO. our lives to serve the so SEO gods. SEO gods. That's right. But no, we actually don't. We actually just make content. And hope yeah. you like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. But yeah, so really appreciate talking with you. It was good talking Always. with you. I, it, I mean, it's like I, I just saw you yesterday. It's crazy. So, <laughs> but a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, buddy.